Hi, I'm Martin. I'm a student minister at a church and I usually go to the 6.30 service. You may have noticed that I'm not speaking from the church building. Instead, I'm at home. I have this nice red wall behind me, a nice picture behind as well. And I'm speaking from home because, well, I can't really live in one of the LGAs of concern. And part of COVID restrictions at the moment mean that I'm not able to go to the physical church building. But that's okay. We've got technology. I can speak from home and that's what I'll be doing today. I'll lead us in prayer before we go into God's word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and for how you reveal yourself to us through it. We pray today you'd help us to understand your word clearly and to see what it means for us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, there's a Christian man called Andrew Lincoln. He writes on a blog, and one of his posts was about his colleagues. Andrew would go to work on Monday, and he, has, he and his work friends would chat about what they got up to on the weekend. One friend said, I went to the pub on Saturday night. I don't remember getting home, and was so wasted on Sunday that I slept the whole day. Andrew shared with them about what he got up to. For him, it was soccer, home, and church. But that was confusing for his colleagues. They thought it just didn't seem like fun. It seemed like Andrew was missing out. To them, Christians couldn't do fun things. Christians weren't supposed to drink. They don't often go out and party. They can't have sex before marriage. Maybe you're like Andrew's colleagues. Perhaps you see your Christian friends and you feel like they're missing out. And you don't want to be like them because you don't want to miss out. Or maybe you're like Andrew. I wonder whether you have friends who think you're missing out. And if you do, well, are they right? Maybe you are missing out. Perhaps there are these good and wonderful things that your non-Christian friends are doing and you're missing out. So what should you do when you start thinking like that? What should you do if you feel like your faith is making you miss out on things? I think today's passage helps us to answer those questions. Today's passage helps us understand whether Christians actually are missing out or not. Today we'll look at two parables from Jesus. We've just finished a series on the book of Nahum, and next week we'll start on Haggai. But today... We'll look at the book of Matthew and hear what Jesus says. In Matthew 13, Jesus is speaking in parables to the crowds. Parables are stories that teach one or two key truths. They're sometimes hard to understand. So Jesus has explained some of these parables privately to his disciples. And now Jesus is about to share two parables on the kingdom of heaven. He's going to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. But before we, we hear what the kingdom of heaven is like, we should think about what he means by the kingdom of heaven. Now the phrase, the kingdom of heaven, is the same as the kingdom of God. Matthew often talks about the kingdom of heaven when Mark and Luke talk about the kingdom of God when they describe the same event. Now God is totally in control of everything. He's king over the whole world. So sometimes in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, the kingdom of God refers to everything. 
But when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about something a bit more specific. He says that not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven doesn't include everything. He says that the kingdom of heaven starts small, like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is something more specific. So what is it? Well, here's my definition. The kingdom of heaven is God's eternal rule and blessing over his people. The kingdom of heaven is God's eternal rule and blessing over his people. It starts off small with Jesus. Jesus talks about himself in Luke 17 when he says, The kingdom of God is in your midst. It grows as people put their faith in Jesus. Colossians 1 describes how God has rescued people from the dominion of darkness and brought them into the kingdom. But the full picture of the kingdom of heaven is in the future. It's about eternal life with God and his people. It's about eternal life with God and his people. There's a lot in the Bible connecting the kingdom of heaven with judgment day. Jesus will return and judge the whole world. And those who haven't trusted in Jesus, they will experience the wrath of God forever. But those who have put their trust in him will be in the kingdom of heaven. God will rule and bless his people forever. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain. There'll be no more COVID, no more heartbreak, no more injustice. Instead, it will be pure joy. Those who trust in Jesus will be in perfect relationship with one another and with God forever. The full picture of the kingdom of heaven is eternal life with God. Eternal life with God. It's something that many of us here, along with Christians all across the world, it's something that we look forward to. We look forward to a far greater, unimaginable, perfect, joyful, glorious eternity with God. Well, we've established what Jesus means by the kingdom of heaven. Let's now see what it's like. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, we, we don't think of treasures that much nowadays. So I thought a fun way to think about treasures would be to look at an expensive watch. I'll put it up on the screen so that you can see it. It's called the hallucination. Have a look carefully. How much do you think the hallucination is worth? You might like to have a guess in your mind, or if you're watching with others next to you, share your guess with them. When you see these colors, you might think they're colored gems like topaz or sapphire or rose quartz, but no, they're all diamonds. The whole watch is 110 carats of diamond. And some of those have special cuts as well. I'll let you know how much the hallucination is worth. It's valued at $55 million. I think if I had a watch like that, I wouldn't even wear it out because I'd be scared of someone mugging me. Now let's come back to what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Someone comes along and finds it. Imagine you're going out for a walk within your five kilometer circle and you come across the hallucination watch. You've come across something incredibly valuable. When this man finds the treasure in the field, what does he do? Well, he wants it for himself. 
I'm not sure he, why he doesn't simply take it for himself at that moment. Maybe he thinks that that treasure belongs to the field, and the field belongs to the owner of the field. So he realizes he needs to buy the field first. But the field is quite expensive. Really expensive. It costs as much as his net worth. He'd have to sell everything he has to buy this field. Now this man knows exactly how valuable this treasure is. So he, he does sell everything he has to buy the field. He doesn't do so begrudgingly. No, he's joyful. He's selling all his stuff so that he can get this amazing treasure. That's what he ends up doing. He sells everything he has. He buys the field. The treasure is now his. Let's hear Jesus telling this parable in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. I'll read verse 44 for us. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now, something I appreciated about this parable was how far the man went to get his treasure. See, when we value something a lot, we'll put in a lot of effort to get it. We'll make great sacrifices for it. I saw a nice super dry jacket on sale the other day, 60% off. But I didn't value it that much. It was nice, but I'm happy with the jackets I already have, so I didn't buy it. Something I value much more than that jacket is my relationship with Olivia. Back when we started dating, I asked Olivia what things I could do to help her feel loved by me. She told me she liked poetry and she'd appreciate a poem from me. What? Poetry? If you know me well, you'd know I like clear, objective truth. That's not poetry. I loved science and maths as a kid and studied engineering at uni. The last time I read a proper poem was probably when I was still at school. But I valued my relationship with Olivia. So I wrote her a poem. The things guys do to impress girls. Now we're engaged to be married. So I'll put in a lot of effort to make sure we have a good relationship. Calls, visits, marriage prep, wedding prep, advice from friends, gifts, cards, and so on. But perhaps the biggest thing is time. It takes so much time to sustain a relationship. Now here's the thing. I'm not resentful about spending so much time investing in this relationship. I'm not resentful about all the work that's required for a good relationship. No, I'm willing. I'm willing to put in the time and effort because I value my relationship with Olivia. When we value something a lot, we'll put in a lot of effort. When we value something a lot, we'll willingly put in a lot of effort. But that's the same with the man in Jesus' parables. He values the treasure so much, so he's willing to sell everything he has. He does so with joy. The treasure is so valuable. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is so valuable. Eternal life with God is so good. And I hope you can see why. We can compare the kingdom of heaven to what the world is like now. Our world has many good things. 
We should be thankful for our lives, for friends and family who care for us, for our government, for freedom to study or work or take care of kids. But there's lots that's wrong with it as well. The pandemic, the situation in Afghanistan, discrimination. Maybe you're experiencing personal issues like broken family relationships or friendships. Many of us are finding lockdown hard. But eternal life with God is, will be so much better. We will be in perfect community with God's people. There will be no more injustices, no more broken relationships, but pure joy as we worship God together. We can also compare the kingdom of heaven to what eternity might otherwise look like. Every single person has turned away from God. Every single person has sinned. And so we're all deserving of God's judgment and wrath. The Bible is very clear about the existence of hell. Hell is eternity under God's wrath. No more blessing from God or loving relationships with other people. I wouldn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why the kingdom of heaven is so good. Instead of God's wrath, there's God's eternal blessing. Instead of being God's enemies, we're God's children. That's why the kingdom of heaven is so valuable. Now, Jesus wants to make sure it's extra clear that the kingdom of heaven is so valuable. That's why he tells another parable. It's very similar to the first parable, but this time it's about a merchant. He's looking for pearls. One day he finds a pearl. It's so valuable. And just like in the first parable, he sells everything so that he can have this pearl. Let's look together at Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. We'll see this parable in Jesus' own words. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Like the hidden treasure and the pearl, the kingdom of heaven is valuable. These parables aren't too complicated. They're pretty simple. The parables are showing that the kingdom of heaven is incredibly valuable. The kingdom of heaven is incredibly valuable. So what should we do knowing how valuable the kingdom of heaven is? Well, I have three points for us. Point one, we should strive to enter the kingdom of heaven. Point two, we should find joy in being part of the kingdom of heaven. And point three, we should find comfort in being part of the kingdom of heaven. Let's start with the first point. Strive to enter the kingdom of heaven. You're, you might remember that we said that the kingdom of heaven is God's eternal rule and blessing over his people. It starts off with Jesus. It grows as more and more people put their trust in Jesus. And the full picture of the kingdom of heaven is all of God's people worshipping God together. Forever. So that means, if you trust in Jesus, you're part of the kingdom of heaven right now. And you will be in the kingdom of heaven forever. A glorious eternity with God and his people. But what if you're not in the kingdom of heaven? Well, this is where you need to pay attention. If you're not part of the kingdom of heaven, then you should strive to enter it. We've seen how incredibly valuable it is. 
in the parables, we saw the great lengths that they went to acquire the precious treasure. I'm not saying that you need to sell everything, but if you see how valuable the kingdom of heaven is, then you should strive to enter in. If that's you, I'm glad you're here at church. I'm glad that you're learning about the kingdom of heaven, that you're learning about Jesus. So I'd encourage you to keep coming to church, to chat to me or a Christian friend, to read the Bible. Putting in the time and effort is so worth it. The kingdom of heaven is that valuable. We talked earlier about how everyone has sinned. Every single person, including me and you, has turned away from God. So every single person deserves God's wrath. Everyone is deserving of hell, of eternity, under God's wrath. But the good news, the fantastic news, is that God has given us a way out. He gives us a way out of hell and into the kingdom of heaven. And that way is free. You don't need to sell everything like the people in the parables did. All you need to do is trust in Jesus. But how does that work? How does trusting in Jesus get us into the kingdom of heaven? It's because Jesus took our punishment. Jesus didn't sin. He didn't turn away from God. He wasn't deserving of God's wrath. But 2,000 years ago, he willingly took our punishment for us. Jesus went to the cross and was crucified. He took the punishment, the wrath of God on himself, even though he didn't deserve it. He took this punishment so that we wouldn't have to experience it ourselves. Jesus is the way out of, of going to hell and into the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus didn't simply stay dead. God raised him back to life. God appointed him as king over the whole world. So the proper response to that is to serve Jesus, to live for Jesus and not ourselves. So what does it mean to trust in Jesus? It means to accept that Jesus has died for you and to live for him. Trusting in Jesus means accepting that he has died for you and living for him. Jesus is the way, the only way to the kingdom of heaven. So I hope you would strive as hard as you can to enter it. I hope that you would trust in Jesus. The second point is to find joy in being part of the kingdom of heaven. Imagine if you're the owner of, the, of that $55 million watch, the hallucination. And imagine, being, uh, imagine seeing a watch on sale at Kmart. A cheap $5 watch, but it turns out it's sold out and you can't have it. Now imagine being sad about it. Imagine being sad about a Kmart watch. If you already have an utterly amazing watch, it's preposterous. Now, if we're part of the kingdom of heaven, we have something incredibly valuable. We will be with God and his people in perfect glory forever. It's far greater than anything we could have here right now. So it should lead us to joy. Three years ago, I was working with the Christian group at UNSW and I visited my friend from high school. He's a lawyer. And when I visited him, outside his apartment was a nice, expensive Audi. I had an old Honda CRV that my parents bought 20 years ago. I went inside his house and he had a, he had a really nice place. 
Big TV, lots of tech, lots of games, heaps of stuff. And I thought back to the place I lived. I used to live in a share house. There was mold, the paint was flaking off, there was even a hole in the wall. As I compared his life to mine, I realised I was already joyful. I didn't need heaps of stuff to be happy. I didn't need a nice car, a nice house, or lots of possessions. No, I knew that I had been saved through Jesus. That I was loved by God. That I was a child of God. I was part of the kingdom of heaven. I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with being a lawyer or having a nice car or, or heaps of stuff. If we have material things, we should be thankful to God for them. God blesses us in many ways. I'm saying we have something far greater. We're part of the kingdom of heaven. And we should find joy in that. Not ultimately in our material possessions. That's true for relationships as well. I was sharing earlier about how much I valued my relationship with Olivia. You might think that that relationship is the most valuable thing to me. But that's not true. And I know Olivia would be happy for me to say this. I love Olivia and I can't wait to be married to her. But the joy I will have in heaven is far greater than the joy we have in our relationship. We remind each other that our joy and comfort must ultimately be found in God, not in each other. So to my single Christian friends, if you'd like to be in a relationship, there's nothing wrong with that. Marriage is a good thing. There are good and godly ways to pursue marriage. And at the same time, I hope you would know that you have something far greater than singleness or marriage. You are a child of God, and you will spend eternity with him in the kingdom of heaven. I hope that you would find joy in that. It's quite similar to the third point. And that third point is... We should find comfort in being part of the kingdom of heaven. If we trust in Jesus, there's tremendous comfort knowing that we're part of the kingdom of heaven. And it's important to know that comfort during times when we're suffering. When we're finding things tough, it's reassuring when we know that things will be okay. On a child's first day of school, parents often lovingly tell their, their kids, it'll be okay. You'll make new friends. You'll have fun. Fast forward a bit and you've got year 12 students doing the HSC. Some students are really stressing out. But others find comfort knowing it'll be okay. They know that the HSC isn't the biggest thing in life. So they study hard, but they don't stress out about it. It'll be okay. But what about the grand scheme of things? What about life and death? What if I suddenly got COVID? and had really bad symptoms. I feel really cold, my body is aching, it's really hard to breathe. Would things be okay? Well, I've had my first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. That should help. But it's not a 100% guarantee that I'll be okay. Our Sydney hospitals are pretty good, but they're understaffed and overworked. Things will be most likely okay. But I can't say it with confidence. Let's say I recover from COVID, what next? Hopefully a long and healthy life. But they say that only two things are guaranteed. Death and taxes. I'm going to die. Will things be okay? If I didn't know God, 
then I don't think I could say yes. I really want to reassure myself that things will be okay. But if I didn't know God, I wouldn't have confidence to say so. Now, as a Christian, I can confidently say it will be okay. And that's because I know that I'm part of the kingdom of heaven. I know that when I die, I will be with God forever. I know I have eternal life. I know I have an eternal joy to look forward to. It'll be okay. And looking forward to that eternal joy helps us when we struggle in the meantime. One friend shared about how she wasn't sure if her job application would be successful. I think she'll probably get the job. I would have liked to say that she'd be successful, but I can't guarantee it, so I, I didn't say it. She might not get the job. And if she doesn't, it's right for her to feel sad about it. Yet at the same time, she's a Christian. And even if she had the sadness of not getting a job, she has a far greater eternal joy to look forward to. She'll be okay. Another friend shared about her broken relationship with a guy. She really liked him, but he suddenly stopped talking about talking to her. I would have liked to say that this relationship would be restored. But I can't say that with confidence. They might not get back together. It's right for her to grieve. I've been praying for healing and peace. At the same time, she trusts in Jesus. Things are really hard for her right now. But she has eternal life with God and his people to look forward to. That's what she looks forward to. Being part of the kingdom of heaven doesn't remove the pain and suffering that we might feel now, but it gives us comfort. We can confidently say, it'll be okay. At the start of this talk, I shared the story of a man named Andrew Lincoln. His colleagues thought he was missing out. Sex before marriage, partying hard, getting drunk. They thought he was missing out on the good life. But Andrew knew he had the best thing possible. He was part of the kingdom of heaven. He would spend a joyful eternity with God and his people. He found great joy knowing that he was part of the most valuable thing, the kingdom of heaven. So he knew he wasn't missing out. Instead, he shared his life with his colleagues. He invited them over. He was interested in what they had to say. And he shared about Jesus with them, praying that they too would be saved. Friends, I hope and pray that you too would trust in Jesus, that you would have the most valuable thing, that you would be part of the kingdom of heaven. You wouldn't want to miss out on that. I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are sorry for how we've sinned against you. We're sorry for turning away from you. Thank you for Jesus, for his death and resurrection. Thank you that he took our punishment so that we could be part of the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for his parables that show us just how precious the kingdom of heaven is. We pray that you'd help us to trust in Jesus. Help us to feel the value of the kingdom of heaven. And may we find joy and comfort knowing that we're part of it. In Jesus' name, amen.